0: Big episode today, we've got lots to discuss as always with the world of sports, the sports we love, cycling, triathlon and athletics just to name a few Uh, but more importantly the topic of today we're looking at the question, are junk miles worth it? We all as athletes want to get that extra edge and if uh, athletes have any time we often see them sneaking in some extra kilometres on the bike or running some extra kilometres when they can or even swimming uh, some extra kilometers, but are those extra Ks actually doing anything, or are they just junk miles that aren't serving any purpose? We'll look at that question later in the episode, but first, Dad, our normal starting segment,
1: what are you grateful for? Ah, Pretty easy one Uh, for those lucky enough to uh, be in Melbourne over the autumn, I haven't been able to say lucky enough to be in Melbourne for a long time. um, In summer and autumn, we've had some of the best triathlon conditions, and for that matter, Road running, racing, cycling, the weather has just been incredibly good for um, enjoying your sport in in some really easy conditions. Um, so I'm really grateful for the fact that uh, I know there's been other hor- horrible conditions in other states with uh, floods, and uh, but we've just been so fortunate to have the best conditions, and it, it just makes uh, it makes for a much more enjoyable day experience all round when. You're just not freezing cold or getting blown around by the wind, and um, so yeah, my gratitude is basically thank God for some. Uh, oh, look, over the years, I've never seen weather uh, continuously turn up every time we race that's perfect like mm-hmm. this. It's mm-hmm. it's unheard of. Mm-hmm good gratitude and like you said when
0: you see the um, horrific floods in the northern eastern coast of uh, some of the states of Australia then it makes us grateful for what we have down here my gratitude is I went and saw um, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child yesterday the big play it's in Melbourne it's been running for a couple of years and before COVID hit um, I was going planning on buying tickets and then um, COVID hit and haven't been able to go for a couple of years and then finally was able to get in and actually stops the show this Sunday and uh, a couple of months ago I tried to get tickets and uh, I went and saw it yesterday and I was one of the fifth last shows to be able to actually get to see it. And big Harry Potter fan, so very grateful that I actually got to sneak that in. It's a six-hour show, which was really quite uh, impressive. And I did wonder what their
1: endurance or nutrition strategies were for, <laughs> for the entire play. It just shows you how uh, how much of an impact uh, Harry Potter had in your childhood that you as a you know, uh, mature adult would really want to spend six hours doing that. So it, it's an incredible story, isn't it? That, uh, that's it, been uh, tr- stood the test of time.
0: It's incredible. You go there and there's, um, you know, there's adults wearing the Harry Potter gear and, um, <laughs> they make references to the, the books and those kind of things. And everyone has the same reaction because everyone's so invested in the, the Harry Potter world. It's, it's, it's great. Um, it's funny. I actually put a photo of it on Instagram as well. And the responses I got for people I didn't expect to be Harry Potter fans. So <laughs> it's good. Moving on to our next segment. Uh, what has caught our attention around the world of the sports that we love? And there's a few to mention here. So we're going to uh, get through some of the news that we've been paying attention to. And we had a chat on Sunday because it was Melbourne half Ironman. Um about how every time you see a 70.3 uh, when you're actually there at the event it just reminds you how brutal an event it is and a half Ironman is nothing to shirk at and I think they need to change the name I think everyone needs to stop calling it a half Ironman and, and call it a, a 70.3 event or a, a four to six hour endurance event or something like that because you need to be reminded that it's when you say the term half Ironman implies that it's not as hard and um, everyone you know you shirk it off like I'm doing a half Ironman it doesn't sound that impressive but It is a brutal endurance event, and the pain that you see in the runners in that last 10 kilometers after suffering all day, and because you can, you know, if you're well-trained, push a little bit harder um, in the event, it's just so much more grueling uh, by the time you get
1: to the back end, so we were just reminded of that on Sunday. The intensity of a half Ironman is almost at a level of Olympic distance now. Mm. People can actually race it, whereas... The objective of an Ironman was to survive mm. and get to the finish because that's it's just the epic endurance triathlon event, and you know, I th- you're right. I think it the half Ironman almost gets belittled mm. uh, wrongly. It it is an epic endurance race, and and for the people who are new to it or beginners, it's 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 emotional it, to finish it. You know, you've achieved an incredibly. Some people are out there for seven or eight hours and. And, you know, some of the pros in the Ironman, that's their time as well. So it's it's a huge commitment. Um, and, and you know, some of the guys who we interviewed afterwards, you know, who did four hours or 4.20, you know, that night they were barely able to walk up and downstairs. you know. You hear that about a lot of marathon runners who have done marathons and, you know, the next two days the DOMs are incredible. They can barely function properly. Well, you know the half Ironman the 70.3 is is that because you've got the intensity you don't have that in the Ironman you mm. have the endurance factor but in this you've got endurance plus you're really pushing yourself right to the on the on the edge of I'm not saying you're not doing that in the Ironman either yeah. but but it's, you, different. It's, it's a higher intensity so you are really pushing your limits uh, right right to you know you can still walk in a half Ironman uh, marathon uh, just as easy you can walk in a In a marathon. So I think, yeah, definitely uh, it needs the respect that I don't know if people give it when they enter it, oh, it's just a half Ironman. And Mm. they say that just word Mm. every time. Mm. I'm just doing the half Ironman. Mm. No, you're not. Yeah, exactly. You're doing a full-on... 70.3 endurance event that will have you crippled for about two or three days uh, depending on your level of fitness yeah so yeah i agree with you yeah
0: and the announcer did a good job actually who stands there at the finish line and they read out everyone's names as they're coming across the line uh and he interviewed one of our athletes and he said how does it feel to just finish 70.3 miles of racing and i said that's what exactly what it is (laughs) you know it's he's really building it up he's not saying how did it finish to finish half an iron man (laughs) yeah yeah, spot on. Um, and we also spoke about the fact that yeah when it makes me just think about an Ironman and go this is extreme you know just the concept of an Ironman is just absurd and uh, we spoke to a few people um, who were doing the relay uh, on the day because they they have a lot of relay teams now doing competing in the half Ironmans which is awesome um, and uh, often there's people who are coming in who aren't actually triathletes. You know, it's, it's a swimmer swimming as part of the relay team or, or a bike rider or, or a runner. And one of the runners was saying to me, um, geez, this is a brutal event. And they're kind of going, so how far is an actual Ironman? And then explaining it to them. And they're just going far out when you see it in person. The Ironman just is seems so
1: extreme. That's because it is. It is just ridiculously extreme. And and a lot of, you know, the bike riders were saying, oh, imagine having to run after what I just did on the bike. Oh, yeah. I can hardly walk. Yeah. I push myself that far. And these yeah. guys have to front up for a half marathon. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Imagine doing a 180-kilometer
0: ride and then a marathon. Yeah, it's just absurd it, to me. Look,
1: as we've said many times on the podcast, it's so easy to sit down there having coffee <laughs> or having a beer or whatever you're doing and say, oh, I think I might do the next Ironman. And the rest of the table goes, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do that. But no one's really clearly thought that through and what that entails. Yeah. And and it's easy to talk about, it. I'm going to do it, but uh, it's so much harder to actually get to the line and then finish.
0: Moving on to the world of athletics, the world indoor champs were on and we had a few Aussies competing, which was just awesome to see. And I want to speak about Katrina Bissett, who we spoke about a month ago on the podcast. She uh, ended up making the final and uh, you, your point to her um, was that She's a strong runner at the front, uh, but how does she go in championship races? Because she's she's learned to run fast times by leading from the front, uh, but in championship tactics, how does she go? And she actually did really well. She came fifth at the Worlds, which is just unbelievable to be fifth at fastest 800 metre. Um, indoor runner. Indoor runner in the world. world. Exactly right. And watching that final race, you know, going out hard was actually really great for her because indoors so tight. It's only six lanes wide. You've got to be strong in position. And because she has so much power and she's able to run such quick 200 and that's what she does at the start of each race she was able to out muscle every girl and get herself into a good position early um compared to if if you're a slow starter you just get spat straight out the back of indoors and um yeah i mean she was actually in a really good place she was in third with 100 meters to go and looking really strong and then some Girls just just came over her and she was that close
1: to a podium position, but a, a really good run. Yeah, and uh, indoor running is really all about positioning as well as talent, of course. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but if you're too far back, it's really hard to come around people in an indoor track because exactly, yeah. it's not a 400 meter indoor track; it's 250. Or ba- bang on 200 yeah. 200. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so you're really. You know, it's it banked, for yeah. those who don't know. It, yeah. It's got a bank on the two. It's like a velodrome mm-hmm. almost. Um, and it, your positioning can make or break. You can be the best runner and be at the back and, and you can't get to the finish line in front because yeah. it's, it's too difficult to get round people.
0: Yeah. Uh, we had two Aussies come fifth um, and one seventh. And this is at the world stage again. I just want to reiterate, which which is unreal to see such strong track runners uh, for Australian athletics coming through. I just wanted to make the point that Australian athletics seems like it's continuing to be on the way up. You know, Peter Ball coming fourth at Tokyo Olympics, um, many good stories, um, and Channel Seven are actually covering the Australian Athletic Champs, which I think uh, next week or sometime in the next few weeks, um, which is a big another big step as well. They're covering the whole thing, so uh, having athletics on on you know Prime TV is is a really cool
1: step. A rejuvenation of athletics is something that Australia needs, and because you know I'm a big athletics fan, and, and, and you know back in the day when we had so many talented world class uh runners um you know olympic park was full Mm. um when i've still seen photos of uh when you know ron clark john landy herb elliott you know you could not it was standing room only at uh, olympic park and people were looking through the fence because it was the capacity Mm -hmm. you know you're lucky to get 400 people Mm. but now because we've had a little bit of success at tokyo um i you know, it reminds me of Ash Barty. Um, a friend of mine's a really good, uh, got a good tennis coaching business, and the resurgence of girls uh, to take up tennis after mm. Ash Barty. There's no coincidence. And mm. I remember in two thousand and eleven, when Cadel won um, mm. the Tour de France, the, the uptake of bike riding, mm. whether they were recreational or, um, it, it, you know, it's really. not a coincidence Um, and I think it would be really great if we could just push ahead and and, uh, encourage more people just to compete in in athletics and because you know it is a it's a fantastic sport. Yeah, Anyone that listens to this podcast knows
0: how much we love it and how much we're pushing for it to keep gaining um, its momentum in popularity. One of the
1: things, Jordan, you know, the PB meets and call them whatever you like, that's what you're trying to do, yeah. um, and have got various names where you can go along and try and improve your time over uh, 5K or a, or a 1500 or a mile or <laughs> an 800, uh, and they're the things that are really becoming popular. Um, and because it's a specific one night – one event, you're only there to warm up, do your event, and go home. You're not there for the problem with athletics is you're there for six hours, mm. and there's every other sport going on: shot put, discus, high jump, triple jump, long jump. Um, you know, middle distance run, sprinters, hurdles. So there's such a variety of events. You know, I think this this is more attractive to people mm-hmm. for time. Uh, people don't want to be spending five or six hours at a, at a an athletic meet they'd yep. let's just have you know shot put this, this week yeah, yeah. and let's just have you know something else next week high jump or or have two two or three field events mm-hmm. where it's just specifically for that mm-hmm. you know I, I think that's a better model yeah it's,
0: it's that's even what the diamond league is becoming you know it's it's a one week it's a 3k one week it's a ten, uh, 5k one week it's a 10k and the same with the field events one week it's a long jump one week it's a yep. triple jump so um, yeah it's right down that path
1: the spring classics continue to roll on, and there's been some good races. Anything you want to mention? I can't remember uh, where we're up to because um, obviously everybody knows we record these podcasts, <laughs> yeah. um, um, you know, at various times, and uh, they come out at various times. So, well, the weekend was Milan San Remo. Yes, and and the, uh, you know Paris Nice is finished, and the tour of uh, the Torino adriatica is finished, yeah. and now the tour of Catalunya is starting I think mm-hmm. um, and yeah so there's been unbelievable racing and uh, Milan San Remo never fails to uh, to excite me and I know it's 290 K so you can pretty much watch from the Poggio, to presser uh, to the finish, mm. and you'll you'll get the gist of what's happening. But it is always always good for me, and I know you like doing this too, is watching what's happening, who's in the break, how did it establish at the start, who's game enough to be in the break because it's a no win. Yeah. you're not you're not going to do anything if you're in the break. And there was a uh, one of the taller guys in the break. there's was a break of seven, I think, the Lotto guys uh, with about. 40, 50k to go, had full leg cramp oh. and couldn't pedal. I don't know if you saw I didn't that. see that. <laughs> and I was thinking when he got on the brake, far out he's driving this brake. Oh. And all the other guys seemed like they were, you know, letting him do most of the driving. Um, I was thinking, geez, this guy's fit. I wonder how long he can keep this up for. And here he, here he is on the side of the road, the, the guys have left him, mm. and he's got adductor, quad, hamstring, cr- um, calf, mm. foot, Mm. And he was in agony. He mm. was just in agony. So um, so it's a great race to watch um, from that point of view. And what are the tactics of the teams when they get organised? And who are they backing? Because you, when you see teams really going all out to get to the front, because when you turn up the, the podrio, you need to be at the front. If you're... If you're 50th, you're pretty much done for the day. So, you know, there's only so many people can get to the front. So you get a good idea of who's in form according to which teams are actually trying to get to the front of the race Mm -hmm. and pushing other teams out of the way. And so it's always intriguing to me who's in the form. Um, And there was a whole lot of people pulling out of Milan-San Remo for COVID Mm -hmm. illness-related issues. Um, And so it looked like a weaker field. but when you actually – Narrowed it down. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't a weaker field. There was just five five less good guys in there. So it was a great opportunity for someone um, to sneak a, a a victory in one of the um, the you know the classic five mm-hmm. monuments. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he who favors the brave, uh, he who dares wins. Mm-hmm. All those sta- sayings. And a guy broke away on a downhill again for the second year in a row and stayed away. Which I said, this can't happen again, mm. and it did. He was using all the road. I don't know if you saw. Yeah, yeah. Um, he nearly crashed five times. Yeah. Yep. But he stayed away. And the, the hesitation of the bunch who has got Van der Poel, Van Aert, Matthews, Pogachar. Pogachar. Um, he was willing to crash to win, yes, basically. Yes. <laughs> and oh, I just was so wrapped for him mm. that he stayed away. Um, I was a bit annoyed that, uh, that the. The guys are willing to lose rather than let someone else win, because that's actually what you're saying. Yeah. If I'm not going to be willing in the last three k to roll a turn, I'm willing not to win. I'm, I'm sacrificing not to winning so that some, I don't give someone else a chance to win. And if you're if you're fit enough, yeah, you should. But Grab obviously, it. I'm not being. I'm not saying sit on the front for the three k yeah, to yeah. bridge the gap. I'm not saying that at all. Yeah. I'm saying, you know, show your your balls almost yeah. by doing a turn for 10 seconds and then flicking your elbow. And that's exactly what Woot Van Aert did. And I sort of rewound this a few times and the guys behind swung up yeah. when he swung off and I was really, I was really annoyed. Yeah. And I, then I went, I hope none of you guys win. Exactly. And yeah. I, I cheered for the, yeah. for the breakaway. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And because the,
0: the underlying uh, belief there is that if I do a turn, I can't win because I'm
1: not going to be strong enough in the sprint. Is that right? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say just then. You're not backing yourself, your ability. Uh, if I do a 10-second turn, I've just sacrificed my race. Well, you should back yourself and and show the other guys, oh, he's willing to do it. Maybe I'll do a yeah. two-second, three-second, just roll over. Give everybody a chance. They're all so fit. Surely they have the leg strength to be
0: able to do a turn and recover enough to be able to sprint after. You know, it's not- It is 293K. Don't forget that. But so. it's not um but they're all in the same position, you know. It's not like it's the last five K where they're all you know, someone's doing thirty seconds more each turn than everyone else.
1: That's a great point. And look, to be fair, the other guys possibly were on their limit, George, yeah. and they yeah. couldn't. And Van was the only one who could. And 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 he's he's mucked it up for himself rather okay. than relying on the others. So so generally if they can't do it, it's not it's not totally all tactics. Yeah. Yeah. It's because they actually can't do it. Yeah. I would love to know when it is
0: tactics and when it's not and and, and be able to see that or, or just hear that from Well, the you certainly rider. know when
1: it's not when it is tactics when the guy right. actually wins yeah outsprint you and a notable mention to Michael Matthews yeah it's funny how we talked about this in the previous podcast about um, him training seemingly uh, you know with some better people and um, proofs in a pudding he he could have won Milan san Remo. He was right there. He came fourth. That was an outstanding performance and I thought tactically he should have followed Van Aert and done a turn but he could have been on his knees. We don't know. Um, But sure enough, he comes out and wins the next race he's in which he hasn't won a race for a long time. So whatever he's been doing with the POG, (laughs) is is certainly paying dividends. And then he he let out um, Groves the next day for a double victory for Green Edge two two days in a row. So, fantastic. Well done. Hopefully just training
0: is what they've been doing. Um, Let's move on to the main topic (laughs) of today. Are junk miles worth it? Um, And what do we mean by junk miles? We mean getting in low level. uh, And we're going to say zone one kilometers in the legs here so because I want to make that distinct difference. So there's there's basically a three-zone type model or a five-zone type model you can talk about. Um, the three-zone type is up to the first um, basically threshold and then up to the next second, th- zone two, up to the next threshold is basically FTP and then above that is to your VO2 max. The five-zone threshold is zone one and two is easy. Zone three and four starts to get into tempo threshold, sweet spot, and then zone um, five and six is VO2 max and above. Um there is a, we have to say that because there is a clear difference between doing, uh, let's say we're using the 5-6 zone model, um, doing zone 1 miles and zone 2 miles, um, or if we're using the 3 zone model, um, doing the low end of zone 1 or the high end of zone 1 up to that first threshold. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a few factors to think about here. And we um, with all these topics, uh, we have our own thoughts. We like to look at studies to see what they're saying. Um, there's always different opinions out there. Um, and the first thing I want to I start with is that uh, we want to dispel the myth that more is not always better.
1: Yeah, but that sentence needs to be listened to and have a thought about, have a think about that, because just because you, you're out there doing 800 kilometres a week compared to someone who's doing 400, does that automatically guarantee you're going to be better? No, it definitely doesn't. It depends. That word again, it depends. On what is in the involved in those eight hundred kilometres? If you happen to be in a you know a two week tour, those eight hundred kilometres are unbelievably valuable for the next six weeks of training. And if those are in just a, a touring uh, um, holiday, they're going to be fun. That's about it. Mm-hmm. There will be. You know, there will be periods where you can't possibly be riding in zone one the whole time. So, you must enter zone two and three at some stage during those junk miles. Um, so, there will be some aerobic improvement for sure and some conditioning um, and just getting used to sitting on the bike for that long. So, so there's never no gain. But but if you're tight on time, this is not the area where you should be training. Exactly. And yeah. And I think that's the main simplified point that we want to make get across right at the beginning of this discussion so if two
0: athletes are training the key sessions equally um, then outside of that it becomes a case of what should you be doing and uh, we come. we'll come back to this fundamental principle of more isn't always better uh, 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 this whole episode because um, like you said it depends on the situation so if you look at um, yeah, two, tra- two, two people training equally um on a similar program based on the key sessions, obviously to, the, to their own ability and um, what they do outside of that um, could have a positive or negative impact on their training program, depending on their, their experience, where they're up to in their training program or the normal factors we think about.
1: And also don't forget that if you feel better because you've gone and exercised, whether it's actually proven that it helps you, it's worth doing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the placebo effect is is certainly something that I think is underrated, um, where if, it, if you think it's doing you good, then do it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's so many conflicting articles on whether Zone 1 training is actually beneficial or not. Um, what do we mean by Zone 1? We mean where you're not actually gaining, gaining any fitness. There's not enough stimulus to gain any fitness. That's right. So you really just – and I – I encourage it because it works for me and I've experimented with with myself a lot over the journey where I've done rest recovery compared to active recovery prior to intensity day, intensity days and overwhelming I perform better after riding rather than resting after moving doing something and I've got examples of other riders who need to do a mini hit session prior to their A race and you know, that's kind of weird, but mm. that's proven accidentally by, mm. by uh, you know, I wasn't going to do this race, and so I trained normally, and all of a sudden, I got a position, and I was unable a- to get into the race, but I hadn't tapered. And they performed incredibly well. And, you know, we've got examples of that. Yeah, exactly right. And that would,
0: I would guess, come from um, 50 years worth of um, high volume training, which is what you're used to, especially, you know, coming from the 80s, which was a super high volume, as high volume as, as you can get. Um, You've just kind of continued that trend, which is why you're used to it. And I would probably argue that that is a placebo for you because from all the studies I looked at on um, performance benefit of doing an active recovery session to not uh, the day before uh, was minimal. There wasn't anything really conclusive saying if you do an active recovery session, you will perform better the next day in a high-intensity session. Um, But like you just said, that you... This, when you're looking at studies and papers and you're looking at things uh, theoretically, um, it doesn't have as much value to the real world application and you always have to take it back to that. And when you just say, I feel much better by doing this and you just know that from experience, um, even if it is 100% a placebo, then that's okay.
1: What, what, what's the point of doing, what are we, just, you know, it could be a few reasons. Why, why am I doing that? Uh, session where I know that I'm not improving my fitness. So that's the argument that gets thrown back. Why am I doing that again? you telling me I'm not improving my fitness. So can you please explain to me why I'm doing it? Mm-hmm. So we know that this is scientifically got evidence and backing behind it, that any movement creates blood flow and blood flow carries oxygen. Oxygen repairs damaged muscles. So there's a reason why we would want to move, whether it's going for a walk, whether it's going for an easy jog, whether it's just swimming nice and gently in the in the pool or the ocean, um, or just spinning the bike at 50, 60 watts, 100 watts, whatever. Just movement so that you're getting blood flow. So, so that's not trying to do anything but recover. That's kind of what you're trying to do. Then the other thing is before my big event or my hard session, I want to feel good the next day. So, that's the other reason we're doing it. So, none of those reasons are I'm improving my fitness. Mm-hmm. None of them are.
0: Mm-hmm. So and there's
1: Yeah, there's a really key point there because what you're talking about, again, is, is feeling better.
0: But um, this is a really key point to what one of the studies pointed out was that um, you – your body has enough time between sessions to get rid of the lactate on its own accord. It doesn't need movement. Um, that's why the actual performance isn't affected, but the way you feel is affected. You know, that, that movement does actually, you know, I'm going to put in quotation marks here if anyone's just listening to the audio, but make you feel better. Um, so what, exactly what you're saying, that blood flow, um, of oxygen to the muscles, um, is so helpful in that feeling. And, um, but even if you felt sore the next day, you could still perform to your capacity is what the study was saying.
1: It's no different to if you feel very average crap if, and you've got a hard intensity session and you get on the bike and you've got DOMS for some reason or, or you've just got sore, tired legs and you think, there's no way I can do this high intensity session. But I'm always saying, come on, just warm up. Yeah, Just, just yeah. have a feel yeah. and, and the warm up, oh, this is not going well. Um, then, okay, let's just put a bit of pressure on the pedals here, and mm-hmm. and you know our warm up involves some period of easy riding and building the building the power slowly, and then doing a bit of a ramp and some some little efforts, and then you're ready for the main set. And you know the first effort of the main set sucks a bit, but all of a sudden you feel okay. So so I think it's I think it's wrong to think that that's not useful. Um, had I not done that, Mm. I'm feeling that way the whole through the session Mm -hmm. and, and you know, set three, four, five, and six doesn't improve. And that's my, that's my evidence. Mm -hmm. And that's all, that's what kind of, I'm basing my whole reason for me. And, and if it doesn't work that way for other people, I, I listen and Mm -hmm. say, right, just have a, just have a rest. Mm -hmm. Have your, have your day as a rest day.
0: Take it back to being a human as well. And you know, if you're deciding whether to ride or not on a Monday or go for an easy run, um, mentally, what's you know, what are you enjoying? Are you going to be a robot that says, "Oh, the study says it's not good enough, so I'm not going to move today. I'm not going to go for a run or a walk." It's like we're we're mm. supposed to move. We're we're better off being fit and healthy and getting out. And the yeah. the endorphins you get from a <laughs> run or a ride. It's it's just so worth it that in that regard.
1: Took so. the words out of my mouth. You enjoy what you're doing, exactly. so don't stop yourself from enjoying yeah. what you're doing. And you know, there'll be out of the. 300 odd days that you train each year there'll be i don't know 17 of them that'll be near perfect weather Mm. and if one of those days is you're supposed to be resting i'm not resting i'm outside and i'm just rolling along Mm -hmm. with the the breeze in my my hair and (laughs) sun on my back and Mm -hmm. and you know yahooing because it's just a glorious day you know you experienced that on monday with just a a beautiful 25 degree day with no wind and didn't have to ride hard just Mm -hmm. just Roll the legs over and uh, you just love life.
0: Yep. Yeah. And I actually had a guy ride past me and just go because I was riding. Very, I don't know, you have to justify that. A guy <laughs> rode past me, but someone rode past me, which is perfectly okay. And she was 85, wasn't she? <laughs> because you always call it the, 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 the grandparents. Yeah, exactly right. Where, But he, he rode past me and said, What a fucking unbelievable day. <laughs> yeah, and I was just ticking along with his own mind, going, Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, uh, just to clarify, for this purpose of this episode, as we're talking, we, are, we talk in the five zone model. So when we say zone one, it is really, really low intensity. And zone two is still before that first threshold point, um, um, but, it's, but zone two is still easy. Um, but to clarify, we would say zone two mile, uh, mileage, um, any extra zone two stuff you can get in
1: is giving you some sort of um, fitness gain. It's know? gold. You, yeah. I I just can't emphasise how valuable riding there is. And if you're going to use that 90-10 uh, or 80-20 model, Polarise, yeah. you need to be spending a hell of a lot of time in Zone 2. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the scary part is creeping into Zone 3. Um, you've got to be pretty strict. and So you've got to select your courses a little bit um, so that you're, you're not actually mixing mixing uh the session because mm-hmm. um, you you know if you want to perform on the days where it's really counts then creeping into the other zones is 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 a no-no and and you, you're just trying to you know control the day sort of thing and, and you could do it for as long as you like and mm-hmm. you know I'm, all, I'm often saying to people if if you want to do extra you know keep the main set even on your hard days the same don't change the time whether it's 15 minutes or 20 of the main set, but change the the warm up and the cool down to be instead of five minutes because you're under stress because you've only got you know 45 minutes to do the session, mm-hmm. now you've got two hours. Mm-hmm. Great, do an hour's zone two at the, at the start. Do your main set 18 or 20 minutes properly then go back to the cool down zone 2 mm-hmm. and spend another half hour in zone 2 mm-hmm. you just watch your fitness go through the roof doing that that is that is a, you know that's the area that if you've got time that you can make big inroads into your aerobic fitness c- gains and and you'll fast track your program um, which seems really odd, doesn't it? Mm. Uh, by training, by training really easy, I'm fast tracking my program. Mm-hmm. Uh, not by training extra in the main set. Yep. And I, I want to make that clear. Yep. I'm not asking you to do any extra. Mm-hmm. You need to stay between that, whatever your coach is doing, 15 to 30 minutes. That that's the area you don't you don't change that. Yeah. Yep. Um, but you add more zone two everywhere you can. Mm-hmm.
0: Let's talk about then based on that the overall goal of the training week. You know, um, and thinking about training volume as a whole because. Based on what you're saying, um, we've given some uh, some sort of reasons why you could do uh, Zone 1 stuff, even if it's termed junk mileage. Um, and then there's also reasons why you shouldn't because the studies show it's not actually giving you massive fitness gain. And we'll, we will talk more about that. But you just established that Zone 2 is the goal type of training. So people hearing that just go, right, I'm doing as much Zone 2 training as possible. But that is not... Um, the correct thing to do um, straight away. You know, the goal of a training program is one, progressive overload, uh, and two, you need to uh, go to your level. So you can't just start adding in
1: hours and hours of zone two training because the rest of your week will be affected, undoubtedly. Yeah, the adaptation, that's the key. The load you're putting on your body, it can't go from zero to hero. We, we've we've said that many times. Um, oh, The podcast told me mm. that I can do as many zone two kilometers as I want. Mm. Yes, I did say that, but, but you have to actually progress mm-hmm. from from adding 10 minutes warm up 10 minutes cool down, not going straight to 45. Warm up, forty five, cool down, because you will be exhausted in two days' time, and that's when you're meant to be riding your your high intensity session. Or if that is your high intensity session, you'll take a long time to recover from that. So, so that's the key thing: uh, letting your body adapt to the load, and and not not getting the load ahead of yourself, um, which will sabotage your whole program could be deceiving as well because because zone two is easy it feels
0: easy at the time and you might you might do a zone two session on a monday whether it's an extra swim ride or run and then you do hard training tuesday and then you do zone two again wednesday hard thursday zone two again friday but you're not used to this and then after the first week you're a little bit tired but you're not too bad but then by the end of week two there is no way you're going to be able to train
1: properly because you've just done way too much for what you're used to if you're going from nothing to that well we we I'm, I'm assuming people think that I just meant two days later, one day you'll be tired later, you mm. know, and Jared and, oh, said I might be tired. or well, I'm not feeling tired at all, but what you just said is the big picture, you know. What, what effect does it have in two weeks' time, three weeks' time? And you've forgotten about what you did you know, started too hard. Yeah. Um, too much volume, not too hard, too much volume at mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So it, it might take three or four weeks before you're in a hole, um, but you, you don't actually know why, but it's because you you built the load too quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that that is so important that you understand that you can only go as quick as your body can cope. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even when I've had a full-on season and I'm going into a little bit of a an off season, if, if you want to call it that, and then I start to... Im- maybe my Wednesday rides you know used to be able to do you know before my uh, whilst I was in the season I could you know comfortably knock out three to four hours on a Wednesday um, at zone two um, and carry on the day and and function really well and not be exhausted have that break of three or four weeks of not doing those Wednesday rides and and if I went straight back to three to three and a half hours I'd be lying down Mm. I'd be exhausted Mm. I can't I can't cope with the load yeah and and that's an example of someone who's actually been doing it for a long time yeah so so you know i know that's what happens and so i'm very careful on when i return to that that program that i set myself that i am really careful with that that it's maybe a two hour Mm -hmm. and the intensity is quite down Mm -hmm. and and i build into that over six to eight weeks and by you know week 15 or week 20 I'm at three and a half hours, you know, at the top of zone two, mm-hmm. um, pushing it hard. So, so yeah, you've, you know, they're great examples of. Uh, that's not what we're saying. It's just, you know, open slather zone two as much as you like. Yep. Yeah, but when you get to a point you can cope with it and you just keep adding so you you just keep putting money in the bank you put fitness in into your body it it will cope with any load and all of a sudden you could be riding 30 hours a week yeah um is there any point to that if you you didn't have a job and you want to really become a really good bike rider (coughs) you know obviously more is going to be better but it's not often more is better
0: yeah it's not every time anyway um so the summary of that is that yeah the goal of a training week is to uh, progressively overload either your volume or intensity, Um, you just have to make sure that an increase in volume doesn't impact your ability to hit the intensity of sessions
1: of the week. So the two things you've mentioned, volume and intensity, that's what our goal is. Mm. But you watch, if you increase the volume or the intensity or both, guess what the third factor that goes together is? Consistency. What, that just drops away because you're exhausted and you need a day off or yeah. now I need two days off and all of a sudden you've dropped the key thing without consistency those other two things are useless it mm-hmm. doesn't matter what program you're yep. on if you can't maintain the program consistently day in day out um unless you're sick or injured but but you know don't worry about the volume and intensity if you're only training twice a week instead of four times a week. Yep. Um, You know, you really have to actually train hard because you're missing so much. Absolutely. And um, for people that ask the question
0: and they say, okay, so you're establishing that the zone one junk miles aren't giving you a fitness benefit, uh, but there's other benefits. Zone two is the golden ones. Uh, the high intensity sessions are the biggest bang for your buck. Why don't we just do more of those? And it just has to be said that um, there is a maximum amount of those you could do per week. And that is just clear evidence shows that uh, any more than two up to three max. And I don't know many people that do three hard high intensity interval sessions in a week um, is any more than that. It's just not, not beneficial and it just leads
1: highly to risk of overtraining. And inconsistent. Mm -hmm. So, so you will be able to do it for sure four sessions of high intensity but eventually you'll be fatigue level the load will be so great on you that you'll have to miss some sessions because you physically are too tired Mm -hmm. and you know but down the track if you've been doing this for six months you could say well i'm fit enough to do that and cope and and i'm not getting tired well that may be the case but it's it's still going to create that that potential issue of overtraining because um, there's, there's no evidence to tell us that training hard every single time is going to get the best outcome. There's plenty of evidence to say that that's a bad idea, mm-hmm. but there's no evidence to say that it's actually worked for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we want to make sure that our high intensity is, is used properly um, and not overused so that when we get to our A race, we are in peak form. Um, and as we've talked about many times, you can only hold form for so long, so you, you can't, you know, sustain that for a six-month period. It's more, you know, more compact than that. So, so getting the right intensity at the right time is the key. But overdoing it can actually cause the opposite effect, which is uh, poor performance, uh, overtrained um, lethargy, fatigue, and possibly sickness, and maybe injury
0: now the last point we want to make in this is just because and this has to be really clear just because there is no um and i'm going to say you know, vo2 max benefit to zone one junk mile training that doesn't mean there's no benefit to your race performance because um that type of training still can uh, help you with efficiency economy um
1: bike handling skills yeah. if you're a bike rider yep. stroke if yep. you're a swimmer um form when you're running yep exactly um
0: yeah, all of the above and and I think that just has to be said, especially for someone considering a half Ironman or especially an Ironman, you know, volume is just so important. So if you aren't fit enough to get zone two, more zone two kilometres in, you have to resort to zone one and that's still got to be beneficial for you, even
1: if it's not increasing your VO2 max. I just love training anyway and I know that I love the easy days more than I love the hard days. Um, I'm all up for the hard days. I'm, I'm motivated because I know they're going to help me be a better bike rider. But I I love the sport so much, I want to ride every day anyway. Mm-hmm. It's like I've wasted the day if I haven't actually. And, you know, you know, and everybody else who's listened to these podcasts know that my junk day, as we're calling it today, is 100 watts. You know, when I've got an FTP of 280, like people would laugh, you know. 100 watt recovery day was f- probably for someone with 150 FTP but here I am riding at 100 watts and 100 heart rate. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it does a lot more things for me than, than, than what I'm, what the out, someone looking in would, get, would be going, why are you doing that? Well, because I like it. Is I like right? doing it. And, and I know that it doesn't do a hell of a lot for me physiologically, but mentally it, it uh, shapes my week, makes me feel good about myself. So I don't feel bad about doing that.
0: And the term do your easy days easy applies to zone two training, what you spoke about before, that that can't creep into zone three. But then it also applies the same thing to- Don't the, drop into zone one. Well, yes, uh, but these active days um, are just as important. You know, you know that if you did these active days as zone two, you wouldn't be recovered enough. You know that you could probably only handle these 100-watt uh, rides, even though, again, it's not giving that, um, that top-end FTP improvement. Yep. Um, but it's you're getting the goal of riding your bike, seeing 100 watts, feeling better, rolling your legs over Um, and this game we always speak about on here you know the 100 watt game you're saying this is where I'm practicing my pedaling technique how close can I sit to 100 watts and we know that for triathletes the ability to sit within your range um, come race day day is one of the biggest uh, performance
1: factors for how well you can run off the bike and how well you can finish the race. It's a great topic you've brought up there because it's just reminded me of the pre-race plans that I was discussing with a lot of the triathletes before Geelong and and Melbourne and Shepparton that there have been the last three 70.3s in the last four weeks, which is a whole other topic to have only three 70.3s and put them in in a four-week block um, is madness. But anyway, that's what we were dealt. Um, But, you know, getting... I was getting asked, how do I pedal better in the – how do I hold my power in the zones? You know, you're asking me, Jared, to stay in zone three and four during this race, if it's a 70.3. You're asking me to hold the power between 150 and 170 watts. And I'm creeping into 190 and I'm creeping to 120 or 80. And I'm saying get out of those other zones. Get out of zone one and two. I don't want to see any time in zone one and two. And I'm showing people graphs of, of 15 minutes in zone one where you should have 30 seconds going around the turn. If you have four turns, that's two minutes maximum in zone one. And they've got 25 minutes in zone two. Why are you spending so much time outside of your zone? Because you're not pedalling properly on the hard bits, you're pedalling way too hard, so you're getting gassed, and then you need to recover. And how do you need to recover? You have to drop your power out of the zone you're supposed to be riding in. Yep. And so these recovery days, we talk about the granny pedalling days. They're the days you practice pressure on the pedals at a low cadence, a low uh, wattage. And if you can, if you can hold, say you pick 120 watts as your as your power number four the easy day Mm -hmm. you want to practice pulling up and pushing down between 115 watts and 125 watts that's your that's one of the key outcomes of this session that can I hold the power and not see anything under 115 when I look at the session afterwards how much time do I spend under 115 if I don't include the warm up or the or the cool down and that's your that should be your goal and practice keeping the pressure on the pedals consistently how much time do I spend over 125? Mm. None? Great. I have absolutely nailed this. And then you can transfer that thought process and that execution because you've done it so many times, week in, week out, whether it's a recovery session, whether it's a zone two session, or whether it's a threshold session, you are practicing getting out of the wrong zones and staying in the right zones. Mm-hmm. So come race day, the correlation, and I've sh- I've shown this to many of our Trivello athletes. The guys who can ride a 202 for ninety K and the guys who can ride a three hours for ninety K, the graphs look completely different. And if I if I didn't show you the winning the winning time, the, the finishing time of those two graphs and I showed you the two graphs, tell me which, which rider went fast, you'd pick the one with more time in zone six, seven, five. And doesn't matter about one and two. They've got plenty in there as well. They've got even spaced graph across the whole, every every one of the six zones. Whereas the guy with the other zone, he's got nothing in zone one and two, nothing in zone six and seven. He's got everything in zone three and four, mm-hmm. depending on the event or distance or his ability to ride in zone four, five or six. Mm-hmm. And the graph looks completely different. And and that is a game changer. That's what you're trying to do in these, as we call a Mickey Mouse bullshit, recovery rides practice it there practice keeping pressure on the pedals how do you do that you pull up and push down pull up and push down the whole time that's what you're trying to achieve so when you come to want to ride you know not at 115 to 125 on race day my, my goal might be 200 to
0: 220
1: mm. I'm not dropping under 200 for any reason I'm not going over 220 for any reason except if it's you know, a really steep hill, I might add another 5 or 10 watts, but if it means I drop into zone 2, I've ridden the hill too hard, and you will ride faster on race day, Mm -hmm. and we have proven it, it was a 100%, the people who improved that, all got faster times, um, from one year at the same event, and you know, we're picking Geelong to Geelong to Geelong, Mm -hmm. faster rides, Melbourne to Melbourne to Melbourne, not Geelong and Melbourne, they're completely different rides, Mm -hmm. but... But people are improving because they're spending more time understanding how to pedal properly yep. and keep pressure on the pedals. And the, there's almost no one that couldn't benefit from this. And that's that's why this can be such
0: a valuable thing to do. And it's also why you do these sessions, these uh, active recovery sessions, and we'll stop calling them junk miles. I mean, that's the, the gold question out there. is It's it's a golden term. Um, junk miles, it's a real popular term. But like you said before, we don't like
1: calling it that. We should be calling it the most valuable
0: <laughs> pedaling
1: <laughs> technique action you can possibly do. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, but you do that in the role rollers for the reason of I mean you've got your power balance sitting there as well to make sure your left and right's even and just being on the rollers keeps you as even as possible and teaches you
1: to pedal properly but it also stimulates my core because I'm having to balance whereas sitting on the the kicker I'm just being balanced so I'm you know all these little percent of things you know they're what's keeping me
0: tuned and this is the last point, uh, exactly what you just said then, that I wanted to bring up uh, about this topic. And, and that's if you don't want to do this session, um, if you choose not to and say, well, okay, knowing all this, uh, where else could I put my time? And that goes straight into, okay, maybe I do a strength session instead. Or maybe I, um, I do form practice. You know, I just go to the pool and just do swim drills and um, really slow swim drills trying to work on my form or uh, work on my gait as a, as a runner.
1: Um, yep. And stretching, um, go and get a massage during that time instead of training. Um, there's so many alternative things that you can do rather than just sitting and I'm, I'm not training today. Um, you know, going for a walk with the dog. Um,
0: yeah, exactly right. Uh, and then the last one is you know, potentially meal prepping your nutrition for the week. That's a big one that people often fall behind in. And it's like, okay, hey, if I don't, if I'm not going to do an easy zone one ride for an hour. Maybe I'll get my food organised for the week, and so I have you know good lunches to eat each day, or um, good meals prepped, so I I'm not eating something I don't want to be eating.
1: Yeah, and it's probably more valuable to you know get your nutrition plan, go to the shop, get it all sorted for the week, um, and that's just as good as it doing a recovery ride because a you're walking around. Um, and you know you're doing something that's actually going to contribute to um, your functionality of the week being much more improved.
0: It's a good discussion, uh, plenty to think about. And again, this is for people that are looking for those uh, that have that extra time and are looking for something extra. And for a lot of athletes, a lot of age groupers, that's not the case. You know, um, they can't they can't fit these extra uh, the extra time in, and that's fine. You know, you've got the key sessions to do, and you've got to nail them.
1: and at the end of the day um, you can only do what the time available you have and you have to be very much prioritising you know these are are things that if you have the time to do that you would want to include um, and don't be lazy about it these are the things you should be doing Um, but if time is poor you concentrate on you know doing the sessions that are going to be more valuable to your improvement that's it for this episode thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next time